0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Jeannie Berlowski about building your personal human capital. Jeannie Berlowski, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to have the conversation with you today around human capital and preparing the future workforce. Uh, As we dive on in um, and get started with the discussion, I first want to start with uh, a little bit of your bio. And so I'll read that for the listeners. Jeannie Berlowski is a full-time academic strategist, podcast host, and sought after speaker for students ages 12 to 26 and their parents and grandparents. And she is the author of the book, Launch, How to Get Your Kids Through College Debt-Free and Into Jobs They Love Afterward. Jeannie's writing, speaking, and podcasting help parents set their kids up to graduate college debt-free and move directly into careers they excel at and love. Her work has been featured in publications such as the Huffington Post, USA Today, Nerd Wallet, and US News and World Report. Uh, and CBS News. Jeannie also helps students apply to law, medical, business, and grad school at her website, GetIntoMedSchool.com. Uh, so, really fun, uh, cool background, and an interesting niche that you've uh, carved out for yourself. Um, and with the rising costs in higher ed, um, you know, over the last couple of decades, and so many people getting buried under student loan debts, and then getting out into careers that they don't actually like, and so they end up switching. Um, You know, it's, it's it's a really important thing to discuss. And, you know, I come at this topic, you know, from the framing of organizations trying to maximize the potential of their people and recognize, you know, they want to attract and retain good talent people with the skills, knowledge, abilities, capabilities, you know, to help the organization succeed. And a lot of what happens is that organizations hire, you know, either students who come out of high school or college, you know, new college grads. Uh, And then they basically have to retrain them and upskill them so they're ready to do the job. So some of this comes back to like, what can schools and universities be doing better to prepare future students for the workforce? Uh, But it also comes back to just having this this mindset as a student and as an employer, as a leader, you know, how do do I prepare myself for the future? How, as a leader, do I prepare my people for their futures? Um, So that's kind of what we'll be discussing today. Uh, as we get started, anything else you want to add by way of personal background um, or context?
1: Well, sometimes people ask me in interviews like this, Jeannie, what exactly is an academic strategist and what is your credential for writing a book like Launch, How to Get Your Kids Through College Debt-Free and Into Jobs They Love Afterward? And then I think you might want to add on asking me um, How can businesses and organizations come under this and become a part of it? Because instantly they're going to be able to see in this interview today that we are creating, we're trying to create a pipeline of highly qualified uh, people who will come and apply for their jobs and then be with them for a long haul. Don't forget to ask me about co-op college programs. I'm going to really want to talk about that. Um, But as far as what is an academic strategist, uh, for over 25 years, I have had a private practice where I help students apply to highly competitive law schools, medical schools, graduate schools, and business schools. And as a strategist, One of the things I have to do with these students is have a debt discussion. After all, if you're going to apply to medical school, you need to look down the line and see how much all your debt's going to be when you're counting all your undergrad debt and all your medical school debt. We have to make sure you can pay that back on a doctor's salary. So I would say to my clients, how much student loan debt do you have right now if we're looking at the cumulative? And of course, I heard some heartbreaking stories, many, many. But I also was astounded by the amazing, clever ways that students and parents were finding to get through college without any student loan debt. So I would write these ideas down and then I would stuff them into a file because here's what consultants do. Uh, We get a great idea from one client that we charge the next person by the hour to hear that exact same information. (laughs) So pretty soon I had a great big file and I stuffed it all into a book and that's Launch How to Get Your Kids Through College Debt-Free and Into Jobs They Love Afterward. And this book is my way of being like a message in a bottle, going back in time. I want to be able to reach parents when their kids are in eighth grade so I can say, Here are some things that we want to set up for your kid through 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th so that they are really ready to step into college and get out and be debt-free and ready to step directly into careers they excel at and love. And so important for businesses and organizations because they would love to be able to hire people that are coming in debt-free. They don't have to worry so much about extraordinarily high pay scales if they're if they're able to choose from a huge number of students who are debt-free and ready to manage their finances well, right?
0: Well, yeah, and it's a common benefit that organizations provide either uh, tuition assistance programs or some organizations even provide opportunities uh for for employees to have some of their debt paid back for them so that's a benefit that organizations have started providing just because of the the amount of debt that students often have coming out of college so that's one thing to consider but just yeah having people that are good that are prepared that are good at their jobs that are passionate and interested and really love their work i mean that's that's a benefit to everybody so having people better aligned earlier um I think is is a really great thing. And I like how you framed it in terms of pipeline, you know, creating that pipeline for future employers. Uh, and, you know, I, I am a university professor full-time and I do consulting and podcasting and all of that uh, on the side as well. Um, and, and so I see this each and every day. And you know, that's something that I, I'm part of these discussions in the higher ed space a lot. Like, how do we help our students with the practical skills so they can be shovel ready? You know employees they can hit the ground running they don't have to yes. it doesn't take them three months six months a year once they've graduated getting into an organization to be able to really contribute uh, and and there's lots that we can do in the university space um, to to do that better uh, and and there's things that we're doing at my university and in my department and in our program um, to try to help students with that but but individuals um you know students that are going into the higher ed space need to be thoughtful about that too in choosing which programs and which types of schools to go to uh, and in considering the types of careers that they might want to pursue. I am a case study in indecisiveness when it comes to like career path. Uh, I switched majors in college four times. I ended up graduating with about 170 credits when it takes 120 credits to graduate. Um, Now, I was fortunate to have had good scholarships and And so I didn't come out with a lot of debt, uh, even though, you know, I, I I took basically an extra, you know, huge chunk of, of credit. Um, But that's, you know, most people are, are in that kind of a situation. And then they just, they, they delay graduation. They add another semester of tuition, just gets more and more untenable as they go. And, and it's hard. It's hard. You know, I, I, it took me a long time to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was like weaving all over the place. Um, and I didn't have much direction, and I I compare that with my wife, who knew as a sophomore in high school what she wanted to do, and she, like, laser-focused, graduated with 120.5 credits um, from college, went on, got her master's, specifically in the type of program she needed to do what she wanted to do, and she's just been doing that, And, and it's been awesome for her. Now, not everyone will be able to do that, even if they're thoughtful about it, but but the more we can get people closer to that kind of an approach, I think it'll be better for
1: everybody. Right. And as a strategist, it's always my my goal and my position to see what the end goal is and then figure out the fastest, least expensive way to get there. And uh, back when you did this, a, really a person could take 170 credits and by having a few scholarships, they could come out with not very much debt. But now... Things are different and we don't want students taking four and five, uh, we, we really don't want them even taking four years to get through college. We want to try to make it even faster by using clever strategies that really work, but certainly not five or six years. And just from a money perspective, which is kind of what parents come to me for, how can we get this through as inexpensively as possible? From a money perspective, those last two years that some students spend in college so the financial aid all runs out after four years. And so they're left sometimes putting those last two years on credit cards. And that's where you get the really exorbitant interest rates that are smothering people under, uh, uh, under waves of student loan debt. That's what we want to avoid. And so one of the things you and I want to talk about today is What is my recommendation as an academic strategist to help students to avoid this? What we want to do is increase their human capacity, their human capital, human potential as much as we can during the ages of 12 and 18, then help them to clarify a bullseye on the target before they take aim and shoot, just like your wife did, so that they can get through the education necessary as inexpensively and as quickly as possible, and then hit the ground running with the um, the the resources. I love how you said shovel ready. So they're ready to jump into careers they excel at and love. And they are exactly the kind of person that a company is wants to have.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And one of the ways we do that at the university uh, where I'm at is that we do a lot of experiential learning. Um, that does a couple things. One, it helps students um, kind of test drive their career, right? Because they're doing projects and they're having experiences with employers doing the type of work that they would be doing on a regular basis um, once they're out of the university. So they get to see what it's like, they get to see if it actually fits with what they were thinking, um, yeah. but then they're also simultaneously while they're learning you know, the theory, they're also learning the practice and they're learning the actual tangible skills that are necessary for them to be successful. Um, and so we're a big proponent of experiential learning. We do a lot of uh, consulting projects and a lot of those things in all of the courses. And that definitely has helped our students a lot to be able to have more clarity about what their strengths are, about where they want to go uh, with, with their career, um, and also just have a, a really nice resume and, and be able to show employers what they can do right out of the gate. Um, but that's not really the norm for most university students. Um, they they go into university. They take a they you know they do a lot of really important thinking. They learn critical thinking. They learn you know about uh, things that, that I believe are important. I'm a believer in in broad liberal arts education. Um, but then at some point you do need to start to narrow that in, and you have to start developing tangible skills that will allow you to be employable. And so it's a it's a it's a matter of finding um, both of those elements in the university space, and then helping get people into those jobs and so i know that's something you you focus about um and you recommend you've got something that you recommend um that builds human capital as far as education motivation career and earning potential can you tell us uh, a little bit more about that
1: well two directions i want to go with this one is you and i are both huge fans of experiential learning i think this is the wave of the future i think that the um uh, increasingly colleges and universities are going to be partnering with business and industry so that students are able to get outside the four walls of the classroom and they're actually in the real world doing work that matters. And that's where the greatest part of their learning comes. And everything that's happening in the classroom is just support for that. So uh, when it comes to experiential learning, more and more campuses are adopting this. And there are some that are going so far as to um, do a cooperative model of education. And the way that this works is that students to class, they they are 18 years old, they go to college for one quarter, and then every single kid gets booted off of the campus because there's a new crop coming in. This works really well for the colleges, uh, by the way, that want to make money off of all their buildings 12 months of the year, not nine months of the year. So, Kids are in college for one uh, quarter, then they all get booted off, and they all go out and work in the real world, in real jobs, in button-up shirts, full-time for real money, in their, right in their career field. So students who are doing this at the age of 18, they have to know a little bit, am I going into mechanical engineering or computer science, or am I going into business, marketing, sales, where am I going? And then they all rotate back onto the college campus again. They're just moving their stuff around in the trunk of their car, and they take classes their computer science or discrete math or they're taking business or marketing classes and then they rotate out again and they're out in the real world working in their button-up shirts and they're earning real money that they can use to pay their college tuition so their parents don't have to pay it and then they're back on the campus so they're doing this rotation school work school work school work and maybe a couple of weeks off for a break here and there and they graduate after five years with a four-year degree and two and a half years of work experience right in their field. So companies are very eager to get these kids. And when I, when I first heard about this, my first thought was, what kind of a company is going to want to hire a co-op student who has only had one semester or one quarter of college? What does that child possibly have to offer? But what we're finding is that companies are flooding to these programs to try to get these kids. And in the top Fortune 100 companies, something like 70% of them have co-op college programs. And when you're in a... In a situation like this where it's expected that every student is going to rotate off campus and go out somewhere in the United States and work in the real world, there tends to be infrastructure at the college or university to support that. So there are co-op program managers, for example, that help the students to get placed in these positions. They will have job fairs where kids come uh, when they're barely, maybe even still in high school, but they know they're committed to that college or university. They'll come to a job fair, they got their little resume in their hand, their little resume that said, I was the captain of the robotics team for two years, and that's all it says on their resume. And They go around uh, to all these little tables, and the employers pick them up, and they know we're going to be able to shape you the way that we want to shape you. And there are a number of uh, colleges in the country that what they're doing is taking experiential education and they're just trying to go 10 miles down the road with it and make it a big thing. And uh, uh, the world or uh, association for cooperative education, the, um, The acronym is WACE, W-A-C-E. They are a huge supporter of these kinds of programs, and they are constantly issuing the clarion call for more colleges and universities to embark on this kind of a model. And when I travel and I speak about getting your kids through college debt-free and into jobs they love afterward, and I tell them, some co-op college kids, they don't have $20,000 in debt. They got $20,000 in an investment account. Because they're already working and they're saving their money. Um, parents say to me all the time, why aren't there more colleges and universities that are doing this? Why are, they, are we still living in this model from the 40s where students go to college and take random college classes to see what they're interested in? That hasn't worked in decades. It's much better to... Um, Have students, and we're going to talk about this in a few minutes, I think, about clarifying the bullseye on the target before they take aim and shoot, and then actually getting work experience in their fields. I would say, if I've got companies listening today, I would say, contact the World Association for Cooperative Education, ask them, what are the big colleges and universities that have these co-op college programs, and get involved, because this is really the wave of the future for filling the pipeline.
0: Yeah. Well, I love that. And, um, we talked a little bit in our pre-interview discussion, uh, about assessments. Um, and so some of them are like personality assessments, Myers-Briggs, for example. Um, there's lots of those types of personality assessments. There's other ones like Gallup puts out, uh, the strengths finders, um, assessment. So you can kind of get clarity on your different strengths and, and some of your potential weaknesses. Um, I think all of these types of tools can be useful and beneficial as a, a self-reflection tool, an, uh, an opportunity for us to really think about, you know, what makes us tick, what, you know, what we're most interested in, where the types of um, things that not just interest, but in terms of comfort level, in, ter- in terms of talent, in terms of skill, in terms of strengths um, that we can build on to start to shape our educational future and our work future. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, how you use those types of instruments to help uh, people you work with and how we as leaders might be able to utilize those in the workforce to also help our people?
1: Yes. So these um, these personality assessments, we would never want someone to use them to uh, make um, Make sweeping generalizations about themselves or we don't want them people using these to sort of analyze their friends and neighbors and analyze other people or put anyone into pigeonhole boxes, but What we have going on with high school students is they are smart enough to know that it makes no sense to start on a path when you have no goal. And they may not have the vocabulary to be able to say, but they'll say to their parents, I don't know what I want to do. And this causes anxiety to just rise in the kids. And the more that adults say, oh don't worry, just take random college classes, you'll figure it out. Students can tell this is expensive, it doesn't make any sense. And so just to help students to have some vocabulary around what they might be good at, what they might be interested in, to have a starting place for some conversations with adults or mentors or people in in industry or business who might be mentoring these kids. Um, There are organizations like the Boys and Girls Club, for example, where there are adults interfacing with students, discussions with parents. I like for students at the age of 15, which is really the earliest they're, supposed, quote unquote, allowed to take these assessments. I love for students to take the Myers-Briggs type indicator, the strong interest inventory. Those are both made by the same publisher. And they're just able to look at some pie charts that say, here's what you're most likely interested in. Your interests are not all over the board. If the whole world of interests is a circle, you're right in this slice of the pie and you're normally interested in this. So if your parents are trying to force you to be an engineer, but you're really constantly interested in art, this gives you some place to start a discussion about here's really who I am. So there's the Myers-Briggs type indicator, strong interest inventory, and then I love, you mentioned the Strengths Finder assessment, which is now called the Clifton Strengths Assessment. This little thing, I get get nothing for telling anybody this, but I love it. It's only less than $20 on Amazon. You get a little book. It's a white cover, red writing on it. In the back of the book, there's a code. You go online, you take this little assessment, 45 minutes, very non-threatening, and they tell you your top five strengths based on Gallup research. Talk about human capital, human thriving, human capital innovation. When you can take a student who's 15 years old and he thinks, I think I'm nothing. I don't really know if I have a place in this world. And this authoritative source, the Gallup organization says, do you know what? You're really gifted at this and this and this and this. And there's a chapter in the book on each one of those strengths, and it's really interesting to see how they mesh together, how your number one impacts your number three, for example. And I've seen students just completely start to blossom when they realize, oh, my, my dad has belittled me my whole life because I'm slow to make decisions. Because I'm really careful. I scout ahead for danger. I make sure that I know all my options. And my dad, who may be high in activator on the strengths, Clifton Strengths assessment, my dad is always going, chop, chop, what's the matter with you? You're so slow. Make decisions faster. And this kid is able to say, Dad, I'm high in deliberative. And deliberative is needed in this world. It's needed by people like you who tend to jump too fast. A deliberative person looks ahead to scout for danger to see what's coming. So using these three tools together, I like to say intersect them like the lines on an asterisk and look at the sweet spot where they all come together. And uh, especially used w- along with a book I recommend in, in chapter 13 of Launch How to Get Your Kids Through College Debt-Free and the Jobs They Love Afterward, I really talk about this. And there are a lot of people who don't care anything about the money aspect of getting through college debt-free. They just want their kids to have a job they excel at and love. So they get this. They go to chapter 13. I talk about these three assessments and about converging them, and I recommend a book that is called Do What You Are. And it has a whole bunch of, uh, it's got pages and pages of potential jobs that could be good for people who have certain Myers-Briggs types. And what this does is it opens the world of possibility for these students who are between the ages of 15 and 18 and they're just choosing what program they're gonna go into. And this is so important because some of, we don't want them choosing careers based on what they've seen on TV. They will all be going to be doctors or lawyers. And we need far, far, far more people for business and industry. We need people in tech school uh, for preparation for helping industry out. Um, this gives them, opens their eyes to more potential places where they could go. And I think if someone says to me, Jeannie, what is your number one strategy for human capital innovation? I like to see students with zero student loan debt who have been allowed to figure out early on what is the bullseye on the target and then take aim and shoot and get there in the fastest, least expensive way.
0: I love that. Uh, I mean, so much there that you said that I think is, is, uh, Really provides really great insight, and and it's important again for us to think as individuals on how to address these types of issues, but also as organizational leaders, we're trying to fill a pipeline. We're trying to attract and retain good, skilled people, and it's in everyone's best interest to to get workers in that love the type of work that they do, that are skilled in that type of work, and then we can continue to develop them and upskill them and, and whatnot. But the closer the alignment, the better it is for everybody. Um, Jeannie, it has been a pleasure talking with you. We're about out of time, but before we close today, I wanted to give you the last word, give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you and find out more about what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Now, I know I'm, you know I'm the author of the book, Launch, How to Get Your Kids Through College Debt-Free and Into Jobs They Love Afterwards. So some people look at me and they think, oh, Jeannie must be all about college. But actually, I am more about getting students into careers they excel at and love. And for many of them, that's going to be a technical school career. In this country, we are sorely lacking with students who have technical skills because our culture is sending them all off to uh, liberal arts schools as though they all need to be doctors or lawyers or orthodontists or uh, psychologists. And um, I'm a huge fan of technical school. These are two-year programs where someone can learn to actually be a mechanical engineering assistant, or they can, be a, um, they can be in heating and air conditioning, or an electrician, or a number of things that are desperately, desperately needed by industry in this day and age. The problem is that not enough students who really should be in these programs are going off to them, and it's because guidance counselors and parents aren't even opening that as options. They're saying to smart kids, you're so smart. You should go to four-year college. Don't go to technical school. Well, we need those smart kids in technical school, but I would never tell a child, just go to technical school because you can make a bunch of money. I want them to be where they're really meant to be based on their interests, their strengths, their, how they solve problems, all those things that are uh, we have vocabulary around when we take those assessments. So for anyone who this is resonating with you and you're saying, yes, we, and especially your organizations that you're helping, yes, we need more people with technical skills, I have written an article that's about how to go through four years of college plus two years of technical school, both, both, and graduate from college by age 22 with all of this practical skill plus a four-year college degree and do it all debt-free. And if you uh, Google my last name, which is Berlowski, it's showing right on the screen there. And then the words technical school, both, you will find this article and people in business and industry and moms and dads and guidance counselors and students are reading this and going, this is genius. This could actually work that a student could have six years of training and get all done by age 22 and be sort of. Let's call it double certified, double qualified. They have the, back, the four-year degree background, and they also have the technical school background. And man, is that student ever going to be somebody that business and industry is looking for? And then just to wrap up, I I always hope that I won't just be a a fleeting uh, jolt of inspiration like a shooting star across the screen And podcasts like this. I like to build an ongoing relationship. So one of the best things I provide is my free weekly email newsletter for parents and financial advisors, guidance counselors, people in business and industry. And this is where you sign up for that. It is at bit.ly slash helpful newsletter. Very easy to find. And this way, I'll be able to be in your primary email inbox every Monday morning. I always have an inspiring article. And if there's anything that changes about college financing in the United States, I'm always able to keep everybody up to date exactly that way. So bit.ly slash helpful newsletter. And anyone who wants to check out Chapter 13 of Launch, this is on Amazon, or anybody can get it at the library for free.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. I really have had a a fun time talking with you today. I really encourage uh, my listeners to reach out. um, Check out Jeannie. Check out what she's doing. Get connected on LinkedIn. Check out her book, um, her newsletter. I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe. I hope everyone can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope everyone has a great week. We are excited to announce the launch of Human Capital Innovations' new e-magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine with the mission to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. We hope you'll check out our first issue And please let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.